please turn in your Bibles to Galatians uh, chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. We're going to be spending the next couple weeks in this passage. I want to do some introductory work today, and then we'll spend some more time next, uh, next week. You'll note that we're looking at the passage on the fruit of the Spirit, and we've spent, we spent about a, a whole quarter uh, in the Fellowship Hall on Wednesday nights unpacking some of, these, uh, some of the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, or there's one fruit of the Spirit, different aspects of the fruit of the Spirit, and so some of this will be reviewed. But if you're like me, I forget it every day. Uh, and so let's, let's call upon the Lord and ask Him to bless the reading and preaching of His Word. So, Father, we thank you that your word produces life. And it is producing life in Uganda left and right. And we pray for the church there, Lord. We pray for the Martins as they head there that you would um, work through them in a mighty and powerful way. And as we have had the privilege of partnering with them, Lord, that you would um, grant great fruit in that ministry. Father, we pray that you would grant the same fruit in our own hearts and in this congregation today. Lord, that just as your word is producing life overseas, that it would do the same in our midst. By the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, we ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Galatians five sixteen uh, through 26. Hear now the word of the Lord. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. The grass withers and the flowers, they will fade, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Amen. The Christian life is hard, isn't it? The Christian life is hard. We have been given many great benefits. In fact, there is no other place where we can find life. It is only in Christ Jesus that we can find life both here and in eternity. We've been called by God's grace of salvation into a relationship with Him that begins at conversion when the the Holy Spirit works in us and gives us a new heart and calls us to call upon Him in faith and repentance. We have an intercessor, a redeemer, a savior, a rescuer, a Lord, a guide who sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty and rules and reigns for His glory and for the good of His people. These are great benefits. We have been saved from the fires of hell and the wrath and curse of God forever because our Savior, the God-man, stood in the gap for us on the cross and, and took the punishment that we deserve upon Himself and that we might receive His righteousness. And not only that, but when Christ left, He gave us the Holy Spirit and He came upon us with power and He gives us the spirit of adoption by which we call out to our Father, Abba, Daddy, Father. And the Holy Spirit lives within us and He convicts us of sin and, and reminds us what, what Christ said in His Word. And He pricks us when we have done wrong. He comforts us when we are discouraged. And He lives and guides with us. He intercedes for us 
and he grants us hope for the future. There are a great many benefits to the Christian life. There is, that is the only place where we will find life. But the Christian life at the same time is a hard life, isn't it? It is a hard life, and we see this tension in so many ways. This, this fact that we live in what's called the now and the not yet. The Christ kingdom has come, and it will come. The fact that Christ came, and He will come again. The fact that we have been saved and freed from the guilt and the power of sin, and yet we still deal with the presence of sin on a daily basis, and we look forward to Christ's second coming, or perhaps our death, in order to be released released from the presence of sin. Until that time, we know the struggle of the flesh and the spirit within us. Every day, tooth and nail, we fight this battle against the things we want to do that we know are wrong, and we fight tooth and nail every day to do the things that we know are right. But it doesn't always go very well, does it? Too often we give in and, and we don't fight the flesh as we ought to. and We don't follow the Spirit as we ought to. So often we find ourselves right back in the middle of that sin that we thought we had licked two years ago. Or two weeks ago. Or two days ago. How do, we, how, do we, how do we live in a way that glorifies God free of sin? How do we in our lives not gratify the desires of the flesh that are just so strong? that seem to be the overpowering desires that we can never say no to. How in the world do we live a life like that in light of the fact that at the cross the power of sin has already been destroyed? But how do we, how do, we do that in our everyday lives? As the Martins head to Uganda and we're facing fierce uh, spiritual warfare, and as you go about your days facing fierce a fierce spiritual warfare. And as you battle the flesh day in and day out, those things that you want to do but you know you're not supposed to, how in the world do you say no? How do you live a life that does not gratify the desires of the flesh? Our text here today tells us that we ought to walk by the Spirit. And if we do so, we will not gratify the desires of the flesh. We're going to unpack this more in the coming weeks, but, but just very briefly today, I want to explain uh, how the flesh works and what it means to walk by the Spirit. How the flesh works, what it is, and, and what it means to follow and to be led by and walk in the Spirit. Well, the first thing we must realize is that these two things are up and running in our hearts, in our bodies, the flesh and the spirit. The flesh are those sinful desires, the sinful nature in us that are opposed to the thing of God, things of God. They are opposed even to things of the spirit. This word here that is used uh, uh, in verse 17, being opposed, uh, is, is translated elsewhere as enemy. The spirit and the flesh are enemies. Oil and water cannot be mixed. They, they are opposed to each other. In 1 Timothy 5.14, in fact, the parsible is used here to describe the adversary, Satan. That is how strong these two things are opposed, the flesh and the spirit. And we know that battle within us, right? We know that battle. We know the right thing to do. And yet the wrong thing looks so fun. And so fulfilling and so so soul satisfying. That juicy fruit dripping with goodness is just ripe. If only I could have that. 
so often we feel like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Do you remember that story? Uh, this is something that uh, a guy named Tim Keller draws out in one of his books. Um, so often we feel like this strange case of, of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. You know, Dr. Jekyll was a respectable, um, I guess he's a physician. It's been a long time since I've read the, the book, but uh, during the day, but at night, he became this hideous monster, unrecognizable, doing terrible things. And perhaps at times we feel the same way, able to, to, to follow the Lord, able to say no to sin, uh, especially when we're with other people and need to look respectable. But then when we're by ourselves or in our hearts hidden, do, do people really know what I'm struggling with? Do people really know what's inside of me? It is a, a struggle common to every believer, but only to believers. Because the unbeliever does not have the Spirit. He does not know that battle. He does not have the holy side within him. Uh, fighting against the flesh. It's still within us, this, this sinful desire, this sinful nature. Though we were saved, we could say we've been saved before the foundation of the world, uh, when Christ uh, elected us and called us, we, we can say that we were saved at the cross of Jesus when He died for our sins and paid for them. We can say that we were saved when we called upon Him in faith. I think all three would be accurate. But even though we've been saved, we still fight this battle tooth and nail, or at least we rather ought to. If we're not fighting it, then we're in a very bad situation indeed. But how does it work? How does the flesh work? In order to understand, in order to disarm something, you must first understand how it works. You don't send a bomb tech in to, dis, to dismantle a, a really big, complicated bomb with a, you know, a, 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 a bomb diffusing for dummies kind of book you know, as he's reading. You, you don't do that. He's got to know how to do it in order to diffuse that bomb. And so if we are to fight the flesh, we must understand how it works. And we're told this in our text. Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. The flesh, our sinful nature, it, it works in us, it fights against us, it fights against the Spirit by our desires. We um, have just returned from vacation and uh, we went to the USS Alabama on our first day of vacation. I, I commend it to you, fantastic place to go. And Thomas just loved it. And we, we climbed up in one of the uh, 16-inch 45 caliber uh, main guns. You know, these, these things are huge. Uh, but you know, the thing is that, that this big battleship is the thing you got to worry about. If you're in battle against the USS Alabama, if you're the Japanese fleet in battle against the USS Alabama, what do you have to worry about? Well, you have to worry about the, the, the projectiles coming at you. These things are, you know, well, 16 inches, uh, really big coming at you. But you can't just fight those, can you? You have to fight the battleship. If you take out the battleship, if you do battle with the battleship, then the desire, the, the, the armaments won't come at you anymore. See, the enemy is the battleship. It's weapon of the guns. This is how our sinful nature works. Our sinful nature is the enemy within us. And how does it attack us? What are its weapons? And primarily we see here and in Romans chapter 7 that it is sinful desire. Sinful desire that this, this enemy within us, is one title of a book, great book calls it, the enemy within us, it, it fires these, these armaments, these rounds, these 16-inch projectiles at us, known as desires to entice us, to draw us in. Just like a, a hook. A hook is covered first by a piece of bait, cut bait, lure, whatever. 
so that it looks nice and juicy, nice and pretty, and it's just the thing you want, just like you might use live shrimp or a worm or cricket on the end of a hook. It's just what the fish wants. And, and the only way it works is if they don't see the hook. And so often we fail to see the hooks ourselves. And so the flesh is, is, is firing at us, it's enticing us by its weapon, our sinful desires, and we must be able to recognize those sinful desires. Do you know what those sinful desires are for you? Are there certain ones that you fight tooth and nail? What are they? We must readily admit what they are in order to be able to recognize them, in order to be able to combat them. But on the other hand, we have the Spirit The Spirit who is within us is the Holy Spirit, and He is working inside of us. And we learn in Exodus 36 that God gives us a new heart and a new spirit He puts within us. And He removes the heart of stone from our flesh, and He gives us a heart of flesh. And He puts His Spirit within us and causes us to walk in all of His statutes that we may be careful to obey His rules. Isn't that amazing? He gives us the Spirit, and therefore He enables us to obey the law. The law doesn't save us, but we have been enabled to follow the law. Not perfectly, we will sin every day in thought, word, and deed. But He gives us a Spirit who enables us to walk after the Lord. And so within us, even though the flesh is as strong as it is, we have the the very God of the universe living inside of us. The one by whose power God raised Jesus from the dead. He lives inside of us. And don't you know that He will give us power over sin in the moment? He does not, God does not leave us helpless in the face of adversity. He does not leave us, leave us helpless in the face of temptation or desire. He gives us His Spirit. Graciously, He gives us His Spirit. The power of the Spirit, this great comforter, the great counselor, the great advocate, the one who lives inside of us, very God of very God Himself, lives inside of us to do battle against the sinful desires in which we have. See, the thing is, we will never um, walk this life well if we walk on our own power. So we must see how the flesh works. It it works through our desires. We must identify them. We must attack the sin nature itself. How do we do that? We walk by the Spirit. Four times in this text, Paul is going to use four different verbs to communicate this. Four different times he's going to communicate that we are called to live a life that is dependent upon the Holy Spirit in order that we might not gratify the desires of the flesh. Verse 16, walk in the Spirit. Verse 18, led by the Spirit. Verse 25a, live by the Spirit. Verse 25b, keep in step with the Spirit. Translated as walk in the ESV, but it's a different verb, actually. Four times he says this, how are we going to not gratify the desires of the flesh as strong as they are? And my friends, I know that they can be very strong. How in the world will we walk in a way that does not gratify the sinful desires of our flesh? It is by radical dependence upon God through the Holy Spirit. It is through radical dependence upon God through the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit is the one who applies to us the things that that Christ has achieved for us. He saved us on the cross, and He applies those things, our our adoption, our sanctification, our forgiveness. and And He is the one, the third person of the Trinity, who lives inside of us and applies to us those things which Christ has done for us. He applies to us help and grace 
When we are in need, we are facing fierce temptation. If we allow ourselves to be led by the Spirit, to call desperately upon Him for help, help me, help me, God. Help me to turn away from this sin. I cannot do it on my, on my own. See, we're the problem. and we, If we are relying only on our own strength to say no to sin, my friends, we will fail every time. And it's a serious fight that we fight. But the Holy Spirit is there to help us. And He's there to fight those sinful desires that in turning to Him we can find freedom from the tyranny and reign of sin in our lives. He will and does help us. What does this look like on a daily basis? Well, a life that is led by the Spirit. A life that is in step with the Spirit. A life that is living and walking by the Spirit is a life that is saturated in what we call the means of grace. The Word, sacraments, and prayer. How do we, how do we know, how do we um, practically depend desperately upon the Spirit for help? By desperately seeking Him in the Word of God. For the Spirit is the one through, who, through whom holy men, excuse me, the Holy Spirit is the one who wrote the Bible through holy men. He is the one who inspired the Word of God and is there in the Word that we are given the grace we need to say no to sin. I think you will find there's a very strong correlation between how much time we spend in the Word of God and how successful we are in saying no to sin. Because it is here that we read of our Redeemer. It is here that we read of what Christ has done for us. It is here that we are given the grace we need to fight sin. When we read the words of Scripture in faith, as we depend on the Spirit to, to work in us and in our heart, it is not... Um, just a routine exercise. It's not like reading some other author. We are reading a, a living and active Word of God through which He acts, through which He works to strengthen us against our fight with sin. If you're going into battle, if you were upon the USS Alabama in the Second World War, they wouldn't have sent you out there without bunker uh, fuel, would they? They wouldn't have sent you out there with a great supply of gunpowder, a great supply of ammunition, they send you out there with a full stock. And if we go out in our days, if we are going about our fight with sin without the ammunition of, of being filled up with the Spirit through the Word of God, then we will not succeed. And we will fail every time. Through the Word, through the sacraments, when we have the Lord's Supper, uh, through prayer and deed, are we desperate for help? Are we desperate for help in our fight against sin? Our sin is very serious. But here's the thing. Even as powerful as sin is, the Holy Spirit is infinitely times more powerful. And He stands there ready to help you. So my friends, this is just for believers. It's just for believers who can, what's called, mortify the flesh, put to death sin, because only believers have the Holy Spirit. Do you know how we receive the Holy Spirit? is by turning our lives over to Jesus. See, He died on the cross for us. He died on the cross for us. And he achieved many things upon the cross. He achieved our forgiveness. He took upon Himself the guilt of our sin, and He took upon Himself uh, everything that we deserve. But another really important thing He did on that cross is He broke the chains of sin 
in the lives of his people. See, Paul says in Romans chapter 6 that, that how can we who have died to sin still live in it? We have died to sin and sin no longer has dominion or power over us. This is what he did for you at the cross. And if you don't know the Lord, then those, those chains are still upon you. And you will never have success in fighting sin. And you will bear the sin and their guilt and their power for all of eternity, not just here on earth. But if you are in Christ Jesus, if you are in Christ Jesus, then he has borne upon his back the wrath and the guilt, the wrath of God for our guilt. And he has, he has consumed through the last dregs the cup of God's wrath that we might drink the cup of God's blessing. Do you know the Lord? Even as we baptize Landry, which points us to the day in which Christ will wash away the sins, this dear little covenant child, have your sins been plunged beneath that cleansing flood, the blood of Jesus? If we walk in the Spirit, we will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And when we do, Christ stands there ready to forgive us. Isn't that great news? Christ stands there ready to forgive us. He has paid for those sins already on the cross. When you mess up, because you will, it's not an if, when you mess up, go running to the Father. For He stands there with open arms. He is not a Father who loves you based on your performance. He is a Father who loves you based on the performance of His Son, which has already been completed and was perfect. My friends, turn to the Lord. Believers, turn to the Lord. Those who don't know the Lord, turn to the Lord, that today might be the day of your salvation. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we thank you for the gift of your Son, that he would die upon the cross for us and bear the guilt and power of our sin. Or by the bearing of our guilt, he has broken the power of our sin, rather, Lord. And we thank you for the gift of the Spirit who resides within us and who's given us a new heart, a heart of flesh and no longer our heart of stone. Father, help us as we fight our sin tooth and nail every day. Help us to fight it tooth and nail every day. In light of what has happened at the cross for us, what has already been achieved for us, oh Father, may we experience in our daily lives as we, as we look to you and turn to you and rely upon the Spirit and lead Spirit-filled lives as we turn to you through the Word, sacraments, and prayer, all in the fellowship of the saints and the community of faith. Father, pray for anyone here who doesn't know you, that today they might know you. They might turn from their sin and find rest in you. We pray all these things in the only Savior and the only Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.